being strategic, being more focused. I knew that I wanted to do that right away. So for me, it was like for my business, figure out who is my target buyer. What do they care about? What problems do they have? And I kind of am close to that already, right? Because I am a marketer at a startup. Podcast Junkies, episode 280. We are in the home stretch of 300. Thank you so much for following me along on this journey since 2014. My name is Harry Duran, the host of the show where we speak to interesting folks in the world of podcasting and figure out what's happening with their lives, their shows, anything else that's on their mind. Last week, I had a great conversation with Todd Brown, host of The Marketer's Mind, did some reminiscing about freestyle music, life growing up in the Northeast. Lots of fun, high vibe, lots of laughs. Uh, please check that out. Episode 279, Todd is an extremely smart marketer and has had incredible success running million dollar companies with uh, his business and specifically the E5 method. So a uh, lots to learn from, from that episode if you are into marketing. This episode, I speak to Anna Fermanoff. She's the host of the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. She's a consultant, a creator, and an entrepreneur. And ever since she was young, she's wanted to be a creator. As host of the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast, she has conversations that shine a light on those startups that are taking their marketing efforts to the next level. In this episode, we talk about her background in business and marketing and how she thinks about marketing and psychology behind the field. And she shares her passion for helping others build powerful brands and businesses. We also get into how she's grown as a podcast host and discusses why she never sells to the guests who come on her show. I myself learned a couple of tips about marketing, so make sure you pay attention. Have a notebook handy for this one. There would be some good takeaways for those that are paid attention. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite, and the link will be in the show notes as well. If you loved this episode or past episode, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcastjunkies, and I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. I talked a little bit last week about newpodcastapps.com and I showed some of the boostergrams that came in. I haven't had a chance to run it for this week, but I'll be reading those out on the next episode. Essentially, if you have an app that supports direct payment via Satoshi's, a form of Bitcoin, a micro uh, percentage of Bitcoin, then uh, you could send that along with a note, which is known as a boostergram. James Cridland does this very well on Podmuse. Make sure you check that out. I think he does a Boostergram corner on Wednesdays. So I have to formalize what part of the episode I'll be reading those out. But uh, it's exciting to see progress being made in that space. Make sure you stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag and introducing Anna Fermanoff. So Anna Fermanoff, host of the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So since this is a show about podcasting and we talk to podcasters, we get to go behind the scenes of um, sometimes the stuff that people don't talk about. And, and we were having some challenges with getting microphones set up and me with scheduling. And, and, and I always like to remind people that uh, things are not perfect behind the scenes. There's always like the hamster running on the wheel, you know, trying to make things work. And, and, and we do what we can as podcasters. So I'm wondering, since you've been podcasting, if there's been some challenges that you had with specific guests or specific episodes that come to mind? Oh my gosh. Yes. We were just talking about the fact that I, um, probably halfway through the season, I got a nice microphone. I got a Shure 
MV7 microphone. And I thought it was working. I thought it was on. And for a few of my episodes, it actually was not. And so we were trying to figure out and troubleshoot what, why was the sound so bad on my side? The guests were fine, just my side. And then we realized that I, in the setup, it wasn't actually connected. My laptop microphone was connected. So this can happen in the beginning as people are learning to set up their podcast. This can happen in the middle. These technical snafus can happen anytime because we're human. <laughs> so... Yeah, and I think it's important and probably the one of the small positives of the pandemic is that we all were forced to kind of figure all this stuff out because there was no other alternative. There's no in-persons. So I think everyone and their grandmother probably knows how to use Zoom at this point. At this point, yes. So many stories. My mom's a piano teacher and she actually had to, you know, forcefully go on to the computer and use uh, Skype, I think she was using, or some some video platform to do her lessons. And I'm like, you know, it's not going to work. I was the one telling her, it's not going to work. You should just wait it out. And she just did it anyway, and it worked. So Yeah, sometimes uh, perfect is the enemy of done. That's right. So where did you go for research as you were getting started with the show? How did I find out what to do first? <laughs> And then next. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I actually, the way that I got into podcasting was actually from, I got sort of nudged into it. It was a challenge. I typically go to a weekly session with Chris Walker for Demand Gen Live on Tuesday nights. I think he's also either going to be on your podcast or maybe it's a, it's a different one. But anyway... He was the one that said over a year ago, if you're serious about thought leadership, if you're serious about building your brand, then you should get serious about podcasting. And I challenge you to do that. And I'm like, I will take your challenge on, right? So I decided to do it. The way that I figured it out was honestly just asking. I asked people that had a podcast. I wrote down the steps and then I started to put two and two together and, uh, and that, you know, it was more on the technical side, like who were you using to produce, right? To edit the audio. How did that process work? I just asked the question and got the answers and then tried it myself. And did you have a framework in mind? I know you've had uh, guests on the show. So did you know topics you wanted to talk about or folks you wanted to, the, you know, who in the space you wanted to interview? That was the most important thing to sit down and be really thoughtful about what is the content that I want to share on this show. That's the most important thing. Like all of the other technical stuff, set it aside and first think about what's going to get you excited because you're going to be talking for hours with people about this stuff. So you have to be excited about it. You have to know the space enough where you have thoughtful conversations you're going to be inviting guests if you're not going to invite guests because you know some podcasters don't invite guests and they just have their own voice come through or maybe with a partner that they double up on the episodes with so make being very clear and writing that out and being very thoughtful about what you want to talk about and focused so that I spent some time on like it was actually not that difficult for me because I'm focused already with what I do in my work and who I target. So 
it came kind of naturally. Like, of course, I would talk about startup marketing because that's the world I come from. That's who I'm helping. And that's who I will invite as guests on my show. So let's talk a little bit about how you got into marketing. Uh, you touched on it a little bit. You had a get to, getting to know me episode with your daughter. I think it was uh, episode 23, which, which I heard, which was fun. So if people want to listen to that, we'll provide a link to that in the show notes. But can you tell, talk a little bit about your story? You know, it's as a lot of stories are nowadays related to the pandemic. So how you, you know, you're, you're a bit of your background in marketing and how you ended up uh, starting what is now from and off marketing. From and off marketing consulting. Yeah. So this is the basically what I tell most people is like, I didn't realize this would happen. You never know where the path, where the journey will go. But I've almost come back full circle because I started my career as a consultant and now I'm a consultant, although definitely much smaller company. I started my career at Accenture as a consultant. So I'm, I'm, I was used to working with clients. I was used to working on like, you know, different types of projects. Maybe it, the project was three months or maybe the project was a year and a half. It, you know, changed depending on the need. And then I went to business school and then I came out of business school working in brand management, which is what a lot of marketers go and do. They work in brand management, but it didn't really hit that chord for me. Like I was working at a company and I'm like, I'm, I know I'm doing marketing, but, I, but I'm looking for a different kind of marketing. And so that's when I went to work at in the startup world and I immediately loved it. I loved how impactful it could be right away. I loved how messy, not everybody likes that stuff, right? And I loved how, like what marketing meant at a startup. And so then I worked in startup and tech. And in January, 2020, I said, I want to create something of my own. And that was before the pandemic hit. Okay, yeah. So then everybody decided to work from home, but I was already working from home, <laughs> right? And, you know, it was like the first three months, I would say, were, was more of um, like outbound, reaching out to people like, do you need marketing help? Here's my background. Here's what I could help with, kind of feeling it out very much outbound. And then and I and then I got a client and I worked with them. The pandemic hit. It was shaky for everybody. And after that, it was very much inbound because what I started to do was focus on marketing my own business. Like this is what I help companies with, so now I'm going to do it for my own business. And then it became very much inbound and it has stayed that way. What was it that was ignited in you at that time in January, you felt like it was time for you to be on your own? Well, I always wanted to, I always wanted to, to create something of my own to, I just kind of have that natural mentality of like, I want to build something. I am into creative things. Like I paint play piano, you know, mom's piano teacher. And just in general, like throughout life, I've always enjoyed that process of, of building something from scratch. And that includes, you know, coming in as like the first marketer at a startup and building something from scratch. So, but I wanted more control over that process and over my marketing. And the thing that I found in the, in the startups that I worked at was, you don't really have that control as much, right? You, you kind of, 
there's especially like sales led startups. It really is more about the sales team is going to go out and like go to, you know, do these trade shows or do these conferences or do these events or, you know, so help them marketing, please help them. And, and so I wanted to kind of take back the control and I wanted the marketing to prove itself out just by, you know, doing marketing, you can actually create sales. And, and so I took that control. I took that power back and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for my business. I'm going to prove out that marketing can drive sales. And that's what I'm going to help companies with. So that's, that sort of inspired it. When there's a lot of obviously entrepreneurs that listen to this and people that obviously if they started a podcast, they've got an entrepreneurial mindset, but a lot of times it's, it's a complimentary business that they have as well. So I would imagine with that experience you have at Accenture, because there's number one, there's a large team. So that's probably something that you had to get used to, like not having the team at your disposal. A lot of folks with, 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 um, different specialties that could support you. So I, I get the sense that there was a, that you had a plan for what to do as you were exiting that. And for folks that are thinking about starting a business, like what are some of the, the mistakes that you didn't want to make as you were getting started with your consultancy and how to be best prepared for success to get off the ground and hit the ground running? Yeah, the biggest thing I knew I needed to do because of the lean team, and this also applies to startups, is I knew that I wanted to create focus early. I wanted to be strategic early. And one of the things that I learned when I was beginning, you know, beginning my career, just starting out, and there's nothing wrong with this, is that you are not focused and you're just trying a bunch of things, right? And you're not sure what will work and you're not as strategic and you're not as focused. So that's early on in your career. But as I realized like, well, this stuff seems to work and this stuff doesn't work as well. And again, this changes based on the company you're working for. You always have to like have that test mentality. But there are certain things that you get the instinct for as a marketer after you've been working in the space. For me, it's I think now it's 12 plus years through, you know, Accenture. I worked on some marketing projects, but more so Blistex where I was started my marketing career. And then after that, a food technology startup and after that Groupon and then after that ed tech startup. So it changes, but your approach, the strategic approach to how you do marketing doesn't change because at the end of the day, it's still people and it's still the psychology of people. And it's still very much about understanding who these people are. What do they care about? What problems do they have? Do you understand how to talk about their problems in a way that they can connect back to you? So that's something that I didn't have at the beginning of my career. But then as I got more and more experience, I realized like it's the fundamentals and that's the most important thing to remember. And so from there, being strategic, being more focused, I knew that I wanted to do that right away. So for me, it was like, for my business, figure out who is my target buyer. What do they care about? What problems do they have? And I kind of am close to that already, right? Because I come, I am a marketer at a startup. And a lot of my buyers, you know, they're marketers at startups or they're startup founders that are trying to get their marketing and growth engine going. So I connected with that, but still like you don't want to assume anything. So you do have to have these conversations. And that's another reason why podcasting is awesome because 
you're so close to your, you can get so close to your target audience. You can ask those questions and not assume things and know what their biggest challenges are and know what they're successful at doing because you get to ask those questions. So going back to your original question, like what mistake did I want to make sure I didn't make is, is not to lose the focus and to realize that there is a there should be a strategy behind starting this business and growing this business. Like what is it that I'm trying to do here? Who am I trying to help? And what can I actually help them with? Because now my work looks very different from full-time marketing at a startup. I'm not spending 50 hours a week with one company. I'm spending five to 10 hours a week with multiple clients, right? So what does that look like? How do I make sure that I'm giving them value, they're getting value out of it, and I'm also seeing the effect on the work, the company, right? It's mutually beneficial. And are you working primarily with SaaS startups, tech, just technology companies in general, or you know, service space agencies? Tech companies, for sure. Okay. SaaS companies, yes, although doesn't have to be. Ed tech, yes, because of my background, and B2C and B2B. And I thought I wanted to focus on B2B, but then because I have the B2C experience, I also work with B2C startups. So I'm not quite sure if I want to. And that's why I say focus is the hardest thing. Because on the one hand, like I do want to focus. I want to focus on the B2B. That was my original intention. But then when there's opportunity to work with B2C and I have that experience, relevant experience too, and now marketing is kind of going across both because your marketing is, it has to do with people, right? And if you're buying products at Walgreens, you're a person buying the product at Walgreens. If you're buy the person that's buying that and they work for a company, that's still a person, right? Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. might change their day. In the middle of the day, they'll go out to Walgreens, they'll buy that product, right? But then they'll come back to work and they're buying some other product. So it's still a person at the end of the day. So yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely more focused on early stage startups. So seed funded series A. But it's kind of a, and it's tech, but it's a blur with in terms of B2C, B2B. Yeah, like they say, people buy from people. What are some, some of the things you see when you go into these uh, early stage startup com startups? I imagine their marketing departments are either, you know, well, you know, well thought out, or it could just be one person who's really pulling their hair out and really struggling. So I'm wondering if there is a common thread or where they're at in their journey that they felt the need to ask for help and, and eventually engage with you? Yeah. The biggest thing I think I see a lot is like, we're just not sure. We're not sure what we're supposed to do. We're doing all these things, their activities. We got a marketing person, mm -hmm. they're doing stuff, but we're just, and that's usually the founder. We're not sure if this is the right stuff for us to be doing we're missing out on some other opportunity that will help us grow faster. So that's the biggest thing I see. And I've even, sometimes I'm just an advisor. So I don't actually like do the execution part. I'm a strategic advisor, maybe helping a small team or helping a, a marketing person to be more strategic with their effort. And, um, and I've been called a marketing therapist because they're really looking for that confidence. Like, are we on the right track? 
Do we understand our target audience? If we're hearing this, does this mean that we're on the right track? Are these signals that we should continue testing in this area? So, so that's why I say marketing therapist is partly what I help with because that's really, it's like the confidence that you're going in the right direction is the biggest thing. I've also seen like just doing too much and not doing really anything very well. So we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, we're on TikTok, we're doing newsletters, we're writing blog posts, but none of it is actually really good, right? So what happens when you see something, when you see a business like that? Because I, I know like there's folks that are cringing because when they, they hear that, because it's like, oh, that's what we're doing. We're doing podcasts, we're doing newsletters, we're doing all the socials. Yeah. What, where, and this is, I'm sure where the value is in working with someone like you, but how do you get a company to focus and how do you get them to decide which of the platforms are, are having the, the best reach or, or the best use of their time? Yeah, it's actually really not that complicated, especially these days when you can get immediate feedback across digital and you can also figure out where, like the most important thing for content creation and like creating awareness around your business or your product is like, what does your target audience care about? What is the actual content you're going to give them? And the second thing is like what channels, right? And that depends on where they spend their time. Because you're, if you're over on TikTok and they're not there, then that's a waste. <laughs> then if you're creating content that's not relevant to them, even if it's different, like people like to talk about how like we need to create content that's so different, it stands out. That doesn't even matter if it's not relevant to your target audience, right? Yeah. So... Those are the, the key things that are really important. And the way to check that is to first, what, like what I help with is first do voice the customer research. Talk to your customers. If it's B2C, it might be more of like a questionnaire, right? Because you're trying to talk to more people versus just you know a handful. It's B2B, actually have one-on-one conversations. Talk to them and understand like, what do they care about? What challenges, not related to your product, but higher level challenges are they experiencing in their day-to-day -day work? What matters to them? And then maybe how can you tie that back to what you actually can help them with? And where do they spend their time? Where do they get the information to be better at their job? That's one of the things that I had recently asked on LinkedIn, I did a poll. Like, how do you get better at your job? I'm just curious. Do you do conferences, events? Just like that was an interesting question I thought I'd ask my LinkedIn network. Do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts or other, right? And most people actually said podcasts in my network. <laughs> did you do it as a poll or an open-ended question? I did it as a poll, but they could pick other. Okay. If they pick other, they have to say like, what What do they, where else, right? But the, the, the biggest thing that people came back with was listening to podcasts. And I'm not that surprised because we're at home you know, we're working like round the clock. <laughs> we grab some pockets of time to take our dog for a walk. And then we listen to, to the podcast during that time, right? So it's kind of part of people's day to day and how they listen and, and learn versus like flying to a conference. So I wasn't that surprised. I just wanted it to 
come through in the information. I, I might have to to try that. I have because I consistently post content on LinkedIn because we own an agency and we're B two B we produce uh, podcasts. But I think I do forget sometimes that just asking the simple question of how do you consume content how do you learn how are you you know or just maybe a question that's would lead them to an answer that would you know like what do you do to consistently produce content for your brand on a, on a regular basis and then be interested to hear what people respond so i'll probably give that a shot so was that what else, was that a surprise for you when people were saying were mentioning podcasts No, I'm almost not surprised because of the, you know, pandemic and how we're working from home and just like things have changed a little bit here, like how people consume and learn and educate themselves has changed so much. A lot of it is really like listening or watching videos on YouTube that's still listening, right? So I'm, I'm almost not surprised. And the fact that podcasting as a platform, like the usage, the creation on it for hosts has gone up, the listeners has gone up, like it is just something, I'm sure it was happening 10 years ago, but now after the pandemic, like it is even more so important to like understand the space. Yeah, it was was interesting because I I started my first show in 2014 and I thought I was late. And because uh, I was interviewing folks who had started in like 2008, and I was like, "Whoa, this is like podcast OGs." And just uh, what I, what I found is the most impactful is the ability to have the podcast as my stage, and some people call it your virtual stage, and you can invite people onto your your stage to share their stories. And then it's people that I think would be helpful for my audience because I'm always caught. Con- conscious of like is this conversation adding value to my audience but also people that i i want to have a a conversation with that i'm excited to talk to because that enthusiasm comes through and i feel sometimes if i'm excited about the conversation or about the topic that makes its way through to the listener and i'm they're learning as as i'm learning sometimes because i get to learn from my guests as well i think always having that thought in place about is this something that i would be excited to talk about or is this a topic that would be of interest to my audience or are things i'm always trying to keep in mind totally one other thing i was going to say was on my show, there's definitely like the 45 minute, 50 minute segments with guests. But I also was like, I have these moments of let's just think about how to make the content better, which I, by the way, recommend to everyone is have these moments of like every quarter, what am I doing with my marketing? Is it working? How can I make it better? Like, don't, not necessarily you need to stop, but how can I make it better? And then see if that improvement has actually helped it. So one thing that I did in my show is do 10-minute bonus episodes because I don't know if people want to listen to 50-minute over 10-minute. I just want to check, right? Maybe the person that's walking their dog just has 10 minutes and doesn't have the full amount of time, so they're not going to listen to the longer episodes. So now I've just been kind of mixing it in and adding that bonus segment. And, And people listen sometimes even more than they listen to the longer shows, which is fascinating. Yeah, there's a whole, I've actually subscribed, I use Overcast, and I've created a whole playlist of podcasts, I've called them microcasts, so I've found a series of shows that are five minutes or less, and so some of them are about relationships, some of them are about mental health, but I, I, it's one of the first things I go to in the morning, because I know, I already know ahead of time how much time I need to allot, and if I know that I have a 5, 10, 15 minute window, I can get through a couple of those, and I think to your point, Tom Webster, I think in his newsletter, recently published this piece about 
not have not being locked into a format because i think people in the beginning they think okay here's your format it's interview based it's gonna be 45 minutes or an hour but i think people's listening habits change over time and i think you know kudos to you for for trying out different formats because i think and i don't know what the reaction has been but i think people appreciate getting or having the ability to consume your content in a shorter format because they, they like what you're doing but they're like well i don't i love anna stuff but i don't have an hour every week <laughs> to devote to an episode totally yeah and that's why i brought in like for one of the episodes i brought my daughter in that's the one yeah. you probably listened i to, did hear that, yeah, that was where cool. i asked her like what does marketing mean to you and she's seven years old right and she's like it means a lot of work <laughs> so yeah i think it's fun it's fun to try new things and as a creative you know sort of entrepreneur that's cr more creative minded it comes easier for me i'm like let's just try this out let's see where this goes this might not go anywhere but hey this sounds fun for me so with creativity there's like no bad idea you just list everything that you could possibly do and then go after the things that make you most excited and then see the impact right i'm curious how you think about the podcast from a marketing perspective because at, at our agency we work specifically with business owners and so i'm always asking them what's your call to action what do you want a listener to do as a result of having listened to this episode how are you creating your content or the, either the topics or the guests in a way that's adding value and but also highlighting your expertise and i'm wondering how much thought you put into the content you're creating or the, the guests you're booking or, or the stuff you're speaking about one thing i forgot to mention because you were asking me like you come to these startups you help them what's the biggest challenge that you see and i explained that to you and i knew like for my business i wanted that focus so one thing i didn't actually explain is i do the podcast it's part of my marketing and it starts there right the podcast i could be the one that's just talking and having ideas and thoughts but it becomes so much more powerful when i invite other startup founders or marketing leaders from startups to talk about what they're up to that gives me ideas that gives me insights that gives my listeners value and then i feed that pillar content into my linkedin posts so i might I used to do more of this, but I basically chop up, like I can do a couple of clips or a few. You could do like up to, I don't know, 12 if you have a 50 minute show with somebody and they are saying a lot of great stuff. Like I had Christopher Lockhead on my show and I'm like, you are just dropping those knowledge bombs every minute. I can do these video snippets that I then post on LinkedIn. People see my thought leadership on LinkedIn. My followers grow there. And then I also send a monthly newsletter. And those are just the three things I do. As one person that's heading up my, my business, the monthly newsletter is basically like, I kind of tell us, we could talk about that, but I just tell a story in the beginning, right? Like what, what am I pondering these days? And then I share stuff I've seen that other people have created to give some value around marketing for startups. And then I share stuff that I have worked on, like the podcast episodes. So it kind of creates like this full loop of, I'm creating this content. People find me, they listen, they follow that show. But then also on LinkedIn, where my target audience is hanging out, I also put the content out there in like short bursts to entice people to subscribe to the podcast. And the newsletter is for the people that basically invited me into their backyard during the pandemic, right? Because if you have somebody's email, you're already like pretty close-knit with them they know you they like your stuff and hopefully they open your emails and stay subscribed so i 
kind of close the loop on that. How much preparation do you do for guests? Yeah. So great question. With this show, you had basically said, Anna, it's open-ended. I'm just going to ask you questions. <laughs> That's not how I do it for my show. I basically prepare a Google Doc for every guest. And it doesn't take me, it's like a couple days before we record the session. It doesn't take me too long because I've kind of gotten into like, what are the sections I include in the Google Doc? It's just like a simple intro for the person, the startup, what does the company do? How much funding has it raised? And then I put together the questions and some of the questions are similar. Like what's working well at your startup in terms of marketing? What are the challenges you're facing? I, I repeat that. Because I think that's really powerful and, and valuable. I want to see across startups, what are they doing really well? What are the challenges? At one point, I actually put together in, in Google Sheets, and I wanted to see if there's a pattern. Like this size startup doing this kind of marketing that's really impactful, and I'm like, this is going to be so cool if I see a pattern. Well, I didn't see a pattern. So I stopped that project. <laughs> that's funny. But then I add in other questions based on the person's expertise. Right. So if they're really deep into understanding newsletters, for example, like they do really kick, kick butt newsletter content, I'll ask them questions around that. Or if they're, you know, doing something that's kind of like if they're a B2B startup and they're doing TikTok, like I'll, we'll talk about that because that's unusual. So unusual stuff, I kind of pick and choose. Maybe the person worked at a really cool company. And then I tie it into the show and ask them questions around that. So I do customize, but. I do repeat some of the things that I think are valuable for my listeners. And, and I think what's important there is it, the reason you're doing that is I feel like you're conscious, you're conscious of your audience and what they're coming, returning back to each episode for. It's a marketing show that should are looking for marketing expertise. And if you're having conversations with people who've been successful, they're expecting you to, to, to like, say, hey, Anna, make sure you ask the right questions so we get the best out of these people because if they're successful, we want to know why they're successful and how they got there. This is also fulfilling a selfish need. I think as I was early on in my career, I wish I had access to a network of people that work in startups that are doing marketing. I wish I had access to this network of people and I could just ask them questions. And now I actually can because I have a platform and I can ask them to get on my platform and ask them questions. So I am fulfilling a selfish need and I feel like there are other people out there because I was in that boat, right? There are other people out there that want access to these people and to ask these questions. So yes, absolutely. I feel like I get to fulfill my, <laughs> my need as well as the need of my audience. How have you grown as a host since starting the show? I had to drink wine before my first <laughs> episodes. I'll be honest with you. Like it was very, I was nervous, right? Like I am suddenly, you start a podcast and suddenly you're a host. Yes. And I've never been a host before. What does that mean? What do I need to do? How do I make sure that my guest feels, you know, feels good about coming onto the show? So I was nervous <laughs> and I did that. And so how did I grow? Well, I don't do that. I don't have to do that anymore because I've done, for my own show, it's about 50 plus episodes. I know it's not as much as you, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it feels, you got to start somewhere. And I started last November. So it's been almost a year because I do one every week. And you just get better over time, right? So I've definitely grown and 
been having fun with it. I think have fun with it. That's important. That's so important. And, um, and also I really enjoy people. If you like talking to people and learning about them, that's at the core of doing this. I think that it comes back to learning about this person. What experiences did they have? That is so cool. Share more, ask, you know, ask more, unravel things, go off on tangents. So while I do have the questions I ask, sometimes I go off of that. I love that. And I go off on tangents and ask them stuff. And I'm like, hope you're ready for it. But they, they are, <laughs> right? Because yeah. if, they're, if they're an expert in their space, then they are. And I think what you're highlighting there is this idea of being an active listener and having a genuine curiosity in your guest. And that comes through. And, and if you're having fun, I think the listener is going to have fun. And it's not going to feel like they're they're being marketed to because I think the challenge with marketing is people can sniff out when you're trying to sell them something and, and when you're just trying to like, you know, get them to say yes to work with you and, and you're not being genuine. And that's probably a challenge that folks that are in marketing and that are selling marketing services have. Like, how do I have my personality come through in what I do? And, and that's the beauty of podcasting because they hear you and your voice. They hear you and you, you know, you're a human being you know, who is connecting with another human being. And, you know, like you mentioned, you're drinking wine for the first one, because I always say your 10th sounds better than your first, your 50th is going to sound better than your 10th, but you, you have to get started and you have to really work through that uncomfortable phase. And I find what that does is it humanizes you and it lets you see that like, you know, the old adage of we all put our, our pants on one leg at a time and, and we just we're trying to figure this out as we go along and we don't have all the answers and i think especially coming from corporate i was in corporate 20 plus years i worked at jp morgan chase i worked at e-trade in their marketing departments so i got to see firsthand how things are run when you have a full team and then but then the realities of what things are like when you have to do it all on your own and you have to like communicate with people on, on a consistent basis. And I think that the podcast has been a humbling experience for me, but also a way to really connect genuinely with, with folks as well. And I mentioned to you, I'm like, well, Harry, I listened to the show, those episodes, and I listened to your voice and it's so soothing. So if people are looking for a soothing voice, that's not my show. You got to come to Harry's show because that is a soothing voice. <laughs> but I totally agree with you. I think that like the podcast and the content is helping for me to kind of weed out the people that and it's helping them too. like, do I want to listen to her? Do I like her personality? Do I connect with her ideas and her thought leadership? If no, you should not listen to my show. You should listen to somebody else's. If yes, please do continue listening, maybe share it with other people, give it a rating, give it a review. Sure. Tell me what else you're looking for, right? Getting these signals that I do get from people like on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for putting together that content, like positive feedback. That's great. It's, all, it's so good. It's just like, yeah, it makes it so much more meaningful to be doing this, right? So. Did you always want to be a marketer? I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> okay. way back I kind of went through you know just there's so much as a kid you're like I could do so many different things what do I do right so there's a point where I wanted to be a veterinarian there's a point when I wanted to be a child psychologist I studied marketing and psychology in undergrad okay so I did know by that time that I really enjoyed marketing but I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like the psychology part of it or the business part of it yeah, 
I kind of knew like after college and then I went to work at, in consulting and then I realized the projects I really enjoyed were more marketing, marketing strategy focused. So I did kind of know. When you know, you know, right? The psychology, studying the psychology must have come in handy, must come in handy for these marketing conversations because a lot of it is you're getting into the mindset of these founders who are, you know, have their own personal issues and, and that, that, that they're working through in, in addition to trying to get this business off the, their business off the ground. I can't tell you how important psychology is to being a marketer. And I think that it actually is important for any sort of work if you're dealing with people. Maybe if you're a computer programmer, <laughs> you don't need as much psychology. Can you give an example of how psychology or, or understanding psychology a bit better has been helpful for you? Yeah, it's like consumer behavior, buyer behavior. Like just the fact that you learn that people are so all over the place. Like you cannot predict, you cannot predict what content will resonate sometimes, right? Like you can do your best to try but then you have to put it out there and then like see the reaction from people. So that's the biggest thing I've learned from psychology is like people are irrational and that's why testing is so important. You can't assume things. That's really helped in my experience. And that's why people test ads, right? And like lots of different routes to take with an advertisement. You can't assume you have to like test that kind of creative against that one. And you might be surprised to find that people actually really like that one. And, and then you have to sort of figure out like, well, why is that? And how can we create more of that stuff that they really like? So I think psychology is the backbone to any kind of marketing success. And it all ties back to understanding your target audience and what are they thinking about in their day to day? What matters to them? What do they find valuable? How do you think about, and I think speaking to someone who's, who specializes in marketing and has a podcast, I'm always curious about how do you think about continuing the conversation or continuing the engagement with people who have found your content, found your podcast, they love it. You know, I'm always reminding clients, hey, you know, what's that call to action? I'm, I'm wondering how you think about that as a marketer. Like, how do you grad gracefully have people take the next step to work with you or to learn more about you? I love that question. Because, and I probably should have a more systematic approach. And for me, what I do works well enough. I think that there should be like systems built for larger companies. But I never sell on the podcast. I'm never like, oh, now that you're a guest here on my show, can I do some, give you some marketing help? I never, ever connect those pieces. The person just wanted to get on your show, let them have the platform, the stage, you know, to talk about their expertise. And then thank you very much. That was awesome. I'll share the episode when it's ready. I'll share clips when they're ready. And that's it. I never, ever sell. I just, it goes against human psychology. You don't want to piss people off. <laughs> it's as simple as that, right? The way that I nurture. So now that I invited somebody to talk to me for 45 minutes, that in of itself is valuable enough for me. Like, we had an exchange here. We started this relationship. You were on my show. Maybe I'll reach out and you'll come back on my show. Now we're connected on LinkedIn. You're probably seeing some of my content. That's where I kind of stop. And then sometimes I will get somebody that says, that emails me and says like, hey, Anna, I'd love to talk to you. And they were on the show. But that, that comes from them. That just happens organically. It just happens organically. Because they were on the show. They might be seeing my stuff on LinkedIn. Yeah. 
they might be signed up for my newsletter, right? So they'll be seeing it there. And I use HubSpot for my business. So any sort of discovery calls that I've had where people definitely showed interest in the type of work I can help them with, they're in HubSpot. I have follow-up, you know, reminders to follow up with them at a later point in time. So that is a system that I use. The other thing that's... How about the listeners themselves? How do I follow up with the listener? Or yeah, do, is there, do you do anything to engage with the people who are listening, getting value from the content? And then, you know, they may, you know, do you just direct them to the website or is, is there a lead magnet? Yeah. In the show notes, I definitely direct them to the website if they want okay. to like learn more about me. At the end of the show, I always have like that outro with the, you know, go to my website, find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, but that's it. I don't really... Sometimes like when a guest talks about a topic that I have expertise in, I will bring that naturally organically into the episode. But I never think like, okay, I must sell. I must sell. I've never thought about content creation in terms of like, I must sell on this show. It's just so unnatural to me. Yeah, it makes sense because when I got started in podcasting, they talk a lot about the know, like, and trust factor, and it has to happen in that order. Like they have to know who you are because they're just discovering you for the first time. They have to listen, then they have to like you. My friend Katie Kermitzos calls it the no love, no love trust. <laughs> so they have to love you and be like, well, I just want to come back every week and listen. And then they trust you. And then when they start trusting you, that's when you can say, hey, I've got this thing or I've got this website. And I think it, it has to happen organically to your point. Otherwise, if any of those are happening out of order or too fast, I think people can sense it. And it's it's a big turnoff for them. That's right. I suddenly stopped getting so many like cold email in mail on LinkedIn. I used to get a ton of that. Oh yeah. And now I don't, and I'm I'm not sure why. I think it's probably because it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the marketers they always talk about these new technologies and these new services, and and they're really good in the beginning, and then there's inevitably someone makes a comment that like this is great. I can't wait to use it at least until the marketers discover it, and then they ruin it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Marketers are always getting a bad, bad rep. That's right. Yeah. So I find that fascinating that I don't get that. The other thing I was going to say is naturally, organically, what else happens is if I'm focused on providing value to people, like to guests that come on my show, I learn something about them, I learn about their challenges, and I'm working with a startup, and they're actually working on that same challenge, or they figured it out, then I might share that. I might connect pieces like I'm always kind of either with customers that I have or with prospects. I'm sharing knowledge because it's kind of like a a web in my brain, right? Like this connect to this person and how does that connect to that person and and what they're looking for? That happens organically. It's not systematic approach, but it's something else that I do. You mentioned you worked at Groupon as well? I did. Was that post Andrew Mason phase or? Post. (laughs) so andrew's been on the show he's uh he's got a new uh, service called descript Descript descript.com it's a transcription service he's had a lot of success with and we connected because his initially his pr company reached out and they're like it's podcast chunkies it's a service for podcasters so he came on we had a great conversation and then when he released they acquired lyrebird which is the the technology that allows you to do overdubbing so he came back on for a second interview. So he's a really nice guy. And it's it's fascinating to hear his story and how he's been able to kind of transition. Oh my gosh, yes. 
Yes, like that is definitely an interesting story for the company and all of the different twists and turns that the company has taken, for sure. It was a great experience in that I was on a team with seven or seven to 10 people or so, and we're the growth marketing team. And, we're, and so our goal was to kind of connect the different channels because there's all these different channels and they're supposed to work together. But since the company is so large, they're in silos. So it was very challenging, but at the same time, I learned a lot. And it's a very data-first, data-centric company too. So that was a great experience. Very cool. A couple of questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? It's okay to change your mind. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. You know, a lot of the time we think that like we're an expert in the space and like we think a certain way and that's how we're always going to think. But it's actually okay to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind a couple of times, a few times, right? As you get new learnings, as you figure out where what your stance is on a certain topic, that it's okay to change your mind. Very good. And uh, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? My age? <laughs> <laughs> I look kind of young, but I swear I have the experience. I think maybe as as more gray hairs start to come out. But uh, yeah, I, I want to think of like another, I love these that you kind of like throw them at the person out of nowhere. I should do that more. And there's no wrong answers to any of these. That's the, the, the great part. Totally. I just, then it, it forces you to think like, what do other people think about you? But that's not correct. Yeah. And... I think it's probably like I'm actually more I I seem like I'm chill and playful but I'm actually very strict. Interesting. And I yeah, very much like this needs to happen at this time and the kids need to eat dinner and go to bed at a certain time very structured. So I don't know if people misunderstand that, but I just want to set the record straight here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely. Thanks for clarifying. Well, I appreciate you being a good sport with the free-flowing nature of this conversation, Anna. And I'm glad we had the chance to, to geek out a little bit on marketing, which is a, a favorite pastime of mine. I didn't realize how much I liked marketing until I started building my own business. And I could I get started on people's businesses and they tell me and I start giving them ideas. And before you know it, like an hour has gone by because it just it's a really exciting time to be a marketer because there's so many different channels and so many different ways to tackle it. But it's one of those skills that you'll, you'll never master, but you're always perfecting as you go along. So we'll make sure we have links to the podcast on the show notes. And I want to thank you for sharing a little bit of your story and uh, your history with the podcast. Harry, it has been great. I had such a fun time and appreciate you having me. Thank you. Where's the best place for folks to learn more about what you're working on? You can go to firmanovmarketing.com and you can also find me on LinkedIn if you search for Anna Firmanov. And we'll have those links in the show notes. Thanks again, Anna. Thank you. Thanks again to Anna for coming on the show. Much appreciated. Always full show notes are available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 280 intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear, specifically the Scarlet 2i2, my favorite, podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite to learn more. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat15. That's our company that provides full service production and marketing for your podcast. If you've made it this far, you know that looking for this week's retention hashtag, let's go with Marketing Anna. 
That's two N's, A-N-N-A, Marketing Anna. And you can tag me at podcast underscore junkies. Anna's not active on Twitter. So just her full name, Anna Furmanoff. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Let's connect next week. Thank you.